Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great resource that is gospel-centered and from the seminary that is Midwestern and Baptist (laughs) and theological. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary, and I'm here as always with Ronnie Kurtz, assistant professor of Christian studies, managing editor of For the Church, which if you haven't read in a while, you really should check it out. Yeah, please do. Subscribe, ftc.co, or did you say co? I don't know what yeah, you say. Either way. When is, this, when is this episode airing? I don't know. Why would you ask me that? Well, because uh, I don't want to give too much away, but okay. come the turn of August, okay. maybe a couple weeks into August, yeah, we're be... going to have a decent um, announcement. So you're gonna have a decent announcement. Yeah, it's not. It's wow. not amazing. Way, way to just get us it's not on the edge of our seat. Hey, coming in August, we're gonna share some information. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I just—you got me. My heart's pumping. Hey, am we, I in marketing or what? We got a decent <laughs> announcement. No, it's a it's a cool it's a cool new resource coming out from FTC.co, okay. and it'll just be in print. So you have to go to the website. So okay. just. Be watching for that. By the time this air, it's like when, like the beginning of August. We're hoping we're shooting for that, but it's a it's a it's a fairly decent size. We've been working on it for two years. Okay, so when this episode hits, it'll already be out. Okay, so they well, go look it go up. Go look it up in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> but you're not sure, so it is kind of secret. You're not even saying yeah, it. Okay, that's right. All right. Maybe you'll tell me off. off that's right. Off the I, air. Oh yeah, I will. Hey, you know what I want to do, Ronnie? Um, because I've seen, I, I want to rip off some other podcasts. Okay. This is what they do. Do it. They look through and they read reader comments and emails and things like that. Hopefully you picked good ones. And, um, well, I'm just going to scroll through. Surely there's nothing negative in here. (laughs) We'll see if there is. Uh, I just wanted to read some ratings and reviews because we always say at the end, if you don't turn off the podcast before we get to the end, which you probably do, I don't know. Um, I do that with a lot of podcasts. But they start doing the, you know, the housework stuff. That's right. I'm not interested. Uh, But I always say leave us a good review if you enjoy the podcast. And um, some of you do, but a lot of you don't. And so what I thought I would do is just read some of these. And if you think that you may hear your name on the air, maybe you'd be more inclined to do it. So this comes from someone by the name of Love It. (laughs) That's already a good start. Is that the review or the name? It's on Apple Podcast. No, that's their name. No, their name is Okie Dokie Artichokey 2006. This is going so well. I'm not making that up. The name is Okie Dokie Artichokey 2006. Subject, love it. Hey. Five stars. One of my favorite podcasts. Okie Dokie. Love Jared Wilson. Fantastic host. What? Yeah, that's, that's, Man, that is definitely right. That artichokey is more than Okie Dokie. <laughs> that's, that is a great artichokey. Uh, this comes from Delta Razorback. Delta Razorback. These are some interesting names here. Delta Razorback says, who's better at throwing an NFL touchdown pass? Tom Brady is greater than Jared Wilson. Who's better at delivering a gospel-centered podcast? Jared Wilson is greater than Tom Brady. That's right. The true and better Tom Brady right here, folks. Thanks, Delta Razorback. The Budge, (laughs) or the Booge, I'm not sure how you would pronounce it, the Budge. Enjoy the variety of the topics and the very conversational tone. Hey, here we are. We're here to have conversations. Don't listen to the UFO Episode, Budge, because there's no conversation on that uh, one. Yeah, guys, the, Ronnie you got, sat there you like a hear bump this. on a log. The moment Jared Wilson turned off the recording, he said, basically, you did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's exactly right. I really thought that you would, uh, yeah. Uh, this comes from DFW Law. Diff, Diff-a-law. <laughs> D- DFW Law. I wonder if they're a lawyer in 
DFW. Hey, in like Dallas, Fort Worth. You're putting the context clues together. DFW Law. Fantastic. Five stars. The podcast is great. The topics and the presentation are awesome. Give it a try. You'll be happy that you did. Uh, Here's someone who enjoyed the episode on prayer with John Stark. He felt very encouraged, very Ah, helpful. Thanks for this interview. Uh, Jay Brock, 2900, says, Helpful, insightful, and biblically sound insights. As a pastor, I've been blessed by and tremendously enjoyed listening to this podcast. C Coffee 14821 says, Keep it up. Hey, I think I know that one. Love hearing the discussion between Jared and his guests. Uh, Here's a fellow, I won't read his name because he gave us two stars. (laughs) What about God's word? What about it? Well, he says we left off the Bible in talking about um, elder qualifications. Wow. Which is odd since we were discussing the biblical qualifications <laughs> for eldership. But anyway, you know, hey. to each to each his own. Logan Dingniceland. Logan Dingniceland gave us five stars on regular rotation. Thomas Rocho. I know that fellow. Uh, five stars. He says the mailbag episodes are the best. Wow. Okay. Yeah, look at that. I was always I always wonder what people think of those. Yeah, here's a guy who gave us one star. Yes, I'm this is like a mean read, tweet. Not gonna read that oh, one. Oh, never mind. Here's um Geomanthad. Geomanthad. Four stars. Okay. We could For have a reason. Better. I'll go five stars if Jared promises never to do a solo show. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, four stars to you, Geo Manthad. <laughs> oh man, hey, I haven't done a solo episode in a long. Jared, just know that time. I'm your fifth star. Well, the UFO episode was as close to a solo episode as we're gonna get. <laughs> so hopefully, Geo Manthad will. Well, that was fun. We'll forgive us that. Well, we'll, have to we'll do that again we'll do sometime. some more of those. We need some new ones. I'll check out Spotify. Those are all on Apple Podcasts. Give us a good review. Hey, our topic today is mistakes new preachers make. Yeah. yeah, new preachers make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> hey, so old do uh, medium mistakes. old ones and old and old ones. <laughs> well, I have a list. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you have a list. Maybe our lists somewhat overlap. We probably should have prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably increase the quality of the yeah. podcast What's in a general. mistake that new preachers make, Ronnie Kurtz? Yeah, I think this is a really, a really good topic and a helpful topic. Um, I want to start it off with maybe a strange one. Okay. I like it, it. It's it's one that I made early on. Okay. Um, and I'm still somewhat of a new preacher. I'm, you know, I've been a pastor about seven years. So I, I don't know when you are no longer a new preacher, but I feel like I'm somewhere near the category. But uh <clears throat> I I have said this and I've heard it said that preacher, a young preacher say something like, Man, I just I just don't feel nervous when I preach. And that is an interesting phenomenon to me because I've heard it said multiple times. Of, that, that new preachers say that. Yeah, new preachers. I don't feel of, nervous. Of just, you know, we're talking about kind of, you know, a, a, a general fright to speak in public. And, and okay. guys say something like, yeah, I just, you know, week in, week out, I just don't really feel nervous. Yeah. And I do. I feel very nervous. Okay. Still, seven years in, I, I get huh. nervous on Sunday mornings. Um, and I think I'm thankful for my nervousness now because I think— Early on, I probably would have said something like that to maybe save face and, you know, put on a show. And I think that there's some that there's some of that going on. And when when young guys say that, but but I think a mistake preachers make is directly tied to that. That idea, I'm not nervous. And that's this. You probably undervalue the importance of this 
this activity, mm. coming into the sacred desk and opening God's word for God's people, for God's glory. I don't want to make young preachers feel like they need to be, you know, shackled in right. crippling fear or whatever, nothing like that. But, but I do think you should have a right sense of nervousness and a right-sized view of what is actually happening. We know that God delights in saving sinners primarily through the preaching of the gospel. And so what you're doing, I've heard one, one uh, pastor saying, I think it actually originated from Donald Whitney, of all people, but, but he said preaching is a lot like handing out lightning rods. And you don't know when the lightning strike of the gospel is going to hit, but you know what it's going to hit. It's going to hit the lightning rod. And so you're just handing them out every Sunday, hoping that the lightning hits those rods. And, and even for believers, you're trying to sanctify them. And so the lightning rod might not be salvation, but sanctification. And um, so I, I just think young preachers need to have a right sense of what actually is happening. Uh, I think it can, one mistake young preachers can make is that this is just a rhetorical show and flourish will get me through. Uh, but what is actually happening can be lost. Okay. That's good. I, I, I felt somewhat convicted because I, I don't feel nervous. Well, usually. maybe you don't have a right size view of what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Now, I sense uh, the gravity of it, but I think that's a different thing. Yeah. Like, I sense um, yeah, that there's a weightiness to it, and I feel somewhat burdened to, you know, deliver a message. And, but I wouldn't say, like, I'm nervous to speak in front of people no, or that, something that, like that's that. Right. Gravity is probably even a okay, better word. Okay. I, I just worry for young so guys. So it's not anxiety about public speaking that no, you're that's concerned right. about. Yeah. Okay, okay. And, and typically— that often shouldn't be there. I got Hopefully. You. Yeah. The only time I get nervous to speak in front of people is uh, when it's uh, youth groups, when it's like teens. <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, when the I get nervous. critics, man. I would rather speak to uh, like 1,000 pastors than to like 15 <laughs> junior high kids. Uh, I get super nervous doing that. Uh, okay. So here's my first one. Uh, mistakes that new preachers make. Uh, trying to do too much in the sermon. Yeah. You feel like you've got to throw all every bit of your research in. You you haven't done any kind of judicious editing. You haven't quite figured out that a sermon is is not um, simply a um, you know trying to do an exhaustive commentary on the mm-hmm. text, and um, and so you haven't figured out kind of how to judiciously compose a message that has a na- you know narrative arc to it. Uh, transition between your points, that sort of thing. And you're just trying to throw too much in. You got everything in the kitchen sink in there. Um, and there's things that are, are you know, good and insightful and maybe exciting that you learned as you were doing your kind of sermon prep. And you think, oh, that's got to go in the message, but it doesn't really serve the overall point or doesn't serve kind of the, the exposition of your message points and that sort of thing. Um, I, I just think a lot of times when preachers preach too long, new or more seasoned, it's because they're trying to do too yeah. much. They want the sermon. They want this one sermon to kind of say everything yep, that's right. about the given text. And that's not really the point of a sermon. That's especially true yeah. if you don't get to preach regularly. That's true, yes. Yeah. You feel like you got to get it all in. I got to get it all in. Yeah. So that, that would be my first one. You're trying to do way too much. Yeah, I think that's a good one. My, so my first one was a little more heavy. This one's a little more immediately practical. Okay. Um, one of the one of the things that I often tell my guys when we're doing our kind of our, our preaching labs and, and symposiums is typically one of the places sermons go to die are transitions. Yeah. And I know that can be silly and be like, okay, well, transitions aren't that important, but but they really are. And typically I, I, I'll ask my guys, all right, one sentence, give me give me the, the thesis of your, your sermon. And if that's not clear to them, it's probably never going to be clear to people listening 
to the sermon with what's the point of this thing? So what's the point of your passage? And often where the where the miscommunication happens between the preacher communicating the point of the passage and the point of his sermon is somewhere in those transitions. Mm. They they make sense to him in his mind on paper, but it's I mean, we've all seen it. You know, a preacher get really excited. He's out in front of the pulpit, maybe a couple steps away, <laughs> preaching with zeal, and then realizes, I have no way to get to the next point. <laughs> and he does right. the really awkward, well, for my next point, and he has to walk back to the thing. And I don't think you need to, you know, be C.S. Lewis and your rhetorical flourishes or anything, but I do think you should spend some time asking do the points of my sermon have a natural progression that yeah. I that is not going to lose the listener on the way? Right. Yeah. They there's connective tissue between them. Exactly. You're able to see um, if point one, then point two, and if point two, then point three, or something exactly. like that. That's and right. So there's some thinking like that kind of helps create those little transitional, um, you know, the the transitional rhetoric or whatever that you would use uh, between that. Uh, my second one is, is 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 very common and something that um, a lot of people talk about actually, which is um, uh, new preachers sometimes try to sound like somebody else, mm. um, either somebody that they really admire or just someone that they're listening to a whole lot. So, you know, ten years or so ago, there was a whole lot of guys my age who were all trying to sound like Matt Chandler or all trying to sound like Mark Driscoll. Some of it intentional. I like their style. I I, I want to be a preacher like them. Therefore, I'm gonna intentionally try to have their approach. So you had guys, you know, how dare you? You know, you know I don't know. You had people yelling and whatever. Um, but a lot of the Chandler-esque type things, or John Piper, we yeah. try to, you know, mm-hmm. mimic. But sometimes it just happens incidentally. You're not intentionally saying, I want to sound just like these guys. But because you only listen to one voice or two voices yeah. in, you know, as you're mowing the lawn and working on stuff and in your car, and the the voice begins to shape kind of your natural instincts and your, your, you know, your natural rhetoric. So you end up sounding like those guys. Um, and this is kind of a, oh, um, it's, it's a natural thing that happens, but I also just think it's something that is more likely with newer preachers because they haven't found their own voice yet. And the way you find your own voice typically is by preaching a lot. Yeah. You just end up doing a lot of preaching. And so it's similar to writing as well. It's why you know, when you're when you're writing, especially a long piece, in the beginning, you're trying to sound impressive, and it doesn't really sound like <laughs> you, or it's a, it, it sounds like a version of you that you can't maintain. Yep. So this is why, like my the early chapters of my books are always more heavily edited than the you know the latter ones, because in the in the beginning, I'm I'm like really trying to like throw everything at you. Look at what I can do. You know, I'm really <laughs> dazzling everybody, and then you start to kind of let the guard down and st- start to sound more like yeah. yourself. Because it's harder and harder to keep the pretense up. And so the latter chapters sound more like my natural voice. Well, it's true in preaching as well. The longer you go, the harder it is to kind of keep up this impersonation that Mm -hmm. you're trying to do. And your natural voice begins to rise up. So that's good news for the young preacher or for the new preacher, that your voice will begin to emerge over time. But it's also something to just be on guard about now as you're starting out. Um, think of the, are, are there little verbal tics that you're, you know, bringing in? Are there, you know, jokes or ways of speaking that you're, you're aping somebody else's, uh, you know, manner of speaking? Something yeah. to be, uh, to, you know, kind of have your head on a swivel about. 
Yeah. All right. What's your next my, one? My third one is, is related to your first one because <clears throat> I think you're, you're, well, how did you word your first one? Just uh, trying, trying to, to do, do too, too much. much. Yeah. yeah. So mine is related to that. And it's uh, right sizing expectation of what the sermon what the sermon does. Oh, that's my next one too. Okay, oh, go, go, no, okay, no, okay. go, go, go. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, you don't, hopefully I don't say your thunder no, that's because right. now now I don't want to limit right because yeah. one of the things the sermon might do is bring a sinner from the kingdom of darkness into the domain of light. Yeah, and that's incredible. But I think sometimes we feel the pressure to you know preach people into heaven this Sunday. And if, you know, if, if my congregation doesn't leave all sanctified saints, it wasn't a win. And so right-sizing expectations, I think I've heard, I think it was actually uh, Matt Smethers who said this, and maybe he was quoting someone else, I'm not sure. But, but you know, basically w- w- what we're trying to do every Sunday is, is not preach people into heaven. What we're trying to do is give them enough gospel to get to next Sunday. And <laughs> wow. on yeah. that Sunday, we're going to give them enough gospel to get to the next Sunday. Mm. And we're just going to give them enough gospel until one day we can hand them hand in hand to Jesus Christ himself. And so we're not trying to preach people into heaven every Sunday. We're trying to get them to the next Sunday in which, uh, you know, that the, they'll one day, enough Sundays will go by until they'll see Jesus. So I think, I think what Matt said was something like, uh, I don't remember every meal that I've ever had, mm. but those meals, I, I've eaten enough to get me to the next meal. Yeah, they've nourished you along that, the that's way. That's right, yeah. yeah, they've nourished me along the way. And so just know that, uh, you, that that's a good and wise attitude to take into the pulpit, that you're trying to give your people enough nourishment to get by one more week. And then that week, you're going to give them enough gospel nourishment to get by another week until they see Jesus face to face. Yeah, something dawns on, on you when you're starting out because the sermons that you most you know, admire or want to emulate typically are big centerpiece type messages. So there's a, a reason why um, when I poll my classes, you know, and I'll say, what's the best sermon you ever heard? Uh, nine times out of 10, the response from a, a, any given student is a message they heard at a conference mm. or a big, a big event of some kind. It's typically not, well, my preacher preached this, yeah. you know, three weeks ago or three years ago. It's John Piper, Passion, two thousand, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a big thing, and so that's what they have in their mind of like that's what a good sermon is. When well, now they feel this pressure of every Sunday, yep. I got to be delivering John Piper, Passion, what have you, and it's beginning to dawn on them like that's not sustainable. I, I can't, and so you're thinking I got to hit a home run every Sunday, even if that's what you're thinking. Every Sunday, I've got to knock it out of the park, and that becomes kind of the, you know, a tyranny, the spiritual yeah. tyranny on, um, and so, I, you know, I think expecting too much from what preaching is, um, expecting um, a big response, the feedback's always going to be great, that people are going to remember your point. I mean, you, you know this, I know this, a lot of new preachers don't. They don't remember your sermon points five minutes after they walk out of the sanctuary. <laughs> so you could call a random church member on Sunday evening, and unless they happen to have the bulletin with the fill-in-the-blanks that you gave them <laughs> right in their lap, ask them, what were my sermon points from this morning? Um, you probably will will be setting yourself up for some disappointment. So, But that's not the point of yeah, the sermon right. points. As as Ronnie was sharing, it's, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's not usually one sermon that has a huge impact. That can happen. We don't want to rule that out of you know possibility. Um, it's usually not one sermon that has this like, you know some kind of silver bullet or or has a huge impact. But it's a steady, a steady plodding 
and a steady feeding of your flock, the gospel, week in, week out. That's right. Just faithfully. And some of those sermons are going to be home runs. You do that long enough, um, you, you become a good enough preacher. Um, there's going to be that Sunday where, wow, I mean, you just, you really brought it. Mm-hmm. And maybe more more than a few, maybe more uh, sermons where you brought it than, than you didn't. But by and large, what you're looking at is just kind of a, as you know, Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same That's direction. Right. And Monday morning, you're just right back in yep. the saddle of having to like, oh, I got this text. I got to come up with a sermon again. And so you're, you, you can't do conference sermon Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. <laughs> you just got to be the faithful feeder of the flock yeah, Sunday exactly after Sunday right. after Sunday. So that's kind of, yeah, expecting yeah. expecting too much. That's be, such a good word. I think, I think my next one deals with uh, kind of sermon preparation. Okay. And I think a mistake young preachers make is either overemphasizing one over the other or not emphasizing both enough. And that is this Puritan distinction of the heat and light. I think that's a really helpful phraseology to have like in your in your sermon tool bag. And what the Puritans meant by that, they, they would often pray that the Lord would give them heat and light for the sermon. And the heat is, or let's start with the light. The light is the, the illumination, the understanding, so that they, the light bulbs, as it were, in their mind were turned on and they get it. They get the text. They get the, the exegetical parts of the text. They get the applicational parts of the text. Uh, they just know the text well. They can explain it well. well that's the light. The heat is the zeal that comes from knowing. And so it's one thing to intellectually understand a text. It's another thing to have that text stir something up within you yeah. uh, such that you come into the pulpit, not just bringing explanation, but exaltation. And so I think <clears throat> young preachers need to be very um, conscious that they have both heat and light and that they would pray for both, that, that the Lord would give them the light, actually help them understand. Hebrews 6 says, we'll move from elementary doctrines on to maturity if God permits. That's a really important clause in Hebrews 6. And so we ask God week in and week out, Lord, would you permit me understanding of this text? Give me light. And then also, Lord, would you, would you make this text do something to me? Would you make it stir my affections? Would you make it make my soul come alive such that I'm eager for the pulpit? That's when I kind of recognize that I'm kind of ready for the sermon, one, I can explain my point succinctly and clearly, and then two, I have an itch. Like I just, I want to get to the pulpit because yeah. that's typically when the heat has settled in. So I that's think, good. yeah, praying for both heat and light. Heat and light, nice. <laughs> also good for like uh, raising chickens. That's and, true. Yeah, yeah. chickens and sermons, baby. Heat incubate. and light. <laughs> that's good. Well, uh, that's somewhat similar to my uh, final note here, which is something I noticed quite a bit. And I think there's a variety of reasons for it, but it's basically leaving the point of the sermon or the the main point of any sermon out of the exposition, which is basically yeah. can't figure out how to proclaim the gospel, yep. which is the whole point of preaching. Yep. Um, you know, preaching in the New Testament is virtually synonymous with a proclamation of Christ. That's what preaching is. It's evangelistic in that sense. So... Um, I, and because I believe Christians need the gospel just like lost people do, not in the same way, but, um, but just as much, the Christian sermon in a Christian church to Christian people needs to proclaim the gospel, yeah. needs to proclaim Christ, hopefully from the text. How do you find that road from the text to Jesus and proclaim Jesus? And so much of sermon prep and delivery, especially for 
but you know, not just for new preachers, but sometimes a lot of seasoned preachers. I hear, you know, examples of uh, you know exposition, the the you know great expositors, and I'm listening. I'm like, where is Christ? Yes, yeah. Where is Jesus in this message? Where is the good news? What I'm hearing is a a well articulated commentary, running commentary yeah. on the text, and that's not what good exposition is meant to be. Um, you can learn a lot from it. It can be insightful. Uh, can even be helpful and edifying to you, but it can't be changing and and feeding to your soul. It can't conform you to the image of Christ if you do not see the glory of Christ. Yep, that's right. So so often it's it's leaving the gospel out, or um, slightly better, but still not not totally great. Um, just sort of arbitrarily tacking on a kind of gospel presentation yeah. again that has no connection to, really to the text itself. So. Figuring out how to, you know, find that road from your text, as Spurgeon says, to the great metropolis of the scriptures, which is Christ. <laughs> Love it. Um, you know, figuring that out, proclaiming the gospel, that's the point of the exposition. And I just see it, it's, it, it you know, they leave that out. Yeah. I, I don't want to step on any toes here, but uh, just something in response to what you said that could be helpful for young preachers is, um, is the Lord's table. And... At our church, we celebrate it weekly, um, which I'm very thankful for. And one of the benefits, there's, there's a, a myriad of benefits of celebrating the Lord's Supper weekly. But one of the benefits of doing communion every single week is that it, it, is, it puts on display for everybody in yeah. the church. If you did not have the gospel in your sermon, the transition to communion is typically brutally awkward. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you're like, with that said about money, let's <laughs> yeah. do the Lord's Supper. It's right, just right. so awkward if you don't yeah. get the gospel in. Mm. But if you have the gospel interwoven throughout your, an explicit gospel woven in yeah. throughout your sermon, the transition to communion is typically pretty easy. Uh, it, it typically actually writes itself. And so having communion on the backside of our, our service every single week is kind of a reminder, hey, you have to transition at this point. Yeah. And if that transition, because we actually write our transitions, if, you, if your transition's awkward, you probably didn't get to the gospel Clear yeah. enough. It's a kind of altar call in a sense. Yeah, in or a way, it's, you're it's right. It's a way yeah. to respond. This That's is exactly how we're responding right. uh, to this message. And so if the gospel's not in that message, what is it you're responding <laughs> exactly. to? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Anything else to say? Any no, other mistakes? I think, I think that's great. Uh, yeah, new preachers, uh, keep going. The Lord sees you. Your work is very needed and very valuable. So yeah. um, we are very thankful and very much in the corner, Jared and I are for for new preachers. So we're, we we appreciate you, brothers. Yeah, certainly. I didn't want this to sound like any kind of discouragement. No, yeah, new preachers, definitely. but just uh, some encouragement, some things that we've noticed that maybe would be helpful to you. If you find the podcast helpful, generally, dear listener, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.